0: I'm thankful to God for the opportunity to be here at the Army Bible Boot Camp, where we can come together and study to show ourselves approved unto God. We can be workmen and workwomen that need not be ashamed, for we have rightly divided God's word of truth. Amen? Amen? And brothers and sisters, there's so many reasons why in such a time as this, we definitely need to understand the word of God. You know, as we look all throughout this world, it seems like God is consistently allowing harbingers to come to this world to let people know Jesus is about to come. And as soon as individuals start to get comfortable, the Lord allows something else to take place. Right now, minds are so perplexed because they're wondering how in the world do you explain millions of birds and all sorts of animals just falling and dropping dead from the sky? And once again, God is allowing these opportunities to take place so that the mind can begin to wonder, look to their own wisdom, realize they have no wisdom, and then they're going to have to seek one who has greater wisdom. You know, as I have an opportunity to travel and to share God's truth with so many people throughout the world, you know the one thing that I've realized? I don't care if you're black or if you're white, if you're male or if you're female if you are young or if you are old, the one thing that seems to be the common denominator all throughout humanity is that everybody has problems. <laughs> have you noticed that? Yeah. It doesn't matter the culture, it doesn't matter the background, doesn't matter all the differentials of life. If you are a human being, you have problems. And the reason why I find that to be so significant it's because when I was meditating upon a wonderful little book called Ministry of Healing. You ever heard of that book? Amen. Volume 9 of the Testimonies to the Church, page 71, says, The great wisdom of the physician is contained in the book Ministry of Healing. You want the mind of Christ, you better get into the book Ministry of Healing. It shows us wonderful things about our Savior. But on page 363 of that book, While we realize that the whole world is filled with problems, even our own lives, do you know what Ministry of Healing, page 363 says? The gospel is a wonderful simplifier of life's problems. Isn't that something? In the midst of all sorts of problems in the world today, brothers and sisters, those who have the gospel have the solution. The gospel is a wonderful solution simplifier of life's problems. And if there's one thing that remains to be a fact, even in 2011, is people still have problems. And God has called you and I to be part of the solution. And the only way that we can do that is we have to humble ourselves before God. As it was stated earlier, we don't want God to humble us, but we want to take advantage of the call where he says, humble yourself. In the sight of the Lord. And he will lift you up. And so we're going to have an opportunity to do that. We can do that even right now in our own posture. You see, we're going to have a season of prayer as we get ready to go into our topic. We're going to be dealing with how to go through the scriptures. And brothers and sisters, there's going to be three dynamics that I'm going to be sharing with you throughout this time that we're together. This morning, we're going to talk about the preparation. We're going to talk about what? The preparation. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about the purpose of the scripture. And then on Sabbath afternoon, we're going to show the method. So therefore, today, the preparation. Tomorrow, the purpose. Sabbath afternoon, the method. And you're going to find that we're going to start with great simplicity. And then we're going to build it up as we go day by day, point by point. Is that all right? So therefore, before we go into this wonderful topic, dealing with the preparation, I'm going to ask you as much as you're able to, that you would please join with me. I'm going to kneel, and I'm going to ask as much as you are able to, please join with me as we approach the Lord, and let us kneel together as we prepare our hearts and our minds to hear heaven speak to us. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the privilege and the opportunity of prayer. Father, it is refreshing to be at such a meeting as this, these wonderful boot camps where there's such a tremendous emphasis on prayer. I pray, Heavenly Father, please speak to the hearts of so many who put forth camp meetings and other meetings that they will never, ever neglect the sweet privilege of prayer. Father, we come because we recognize our need. There is still more about Jesus that we all would learn. And Father, we come to you at this time, not just simply humbling ourselves in posture, but Father, we're humbling ourselves in our hearts. We recognize that you have it all figured out and we know nothing. And Lord, we're coming to you asking you to please forgive us, Lord, of our self-exaltation. Father, forgive us for the very subtle ways that we still allow pride and self to ascend to the throne. And Lord, by your grace and by your power, may you manifest yourself in such a marked manner in this room that it will not be by might nor by power, but it's only going to be by your spirit that we'll be able to say or do anything on your behalf. And so, Lord, we pray as your son David prayed so long ago, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Take our lives and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. For, Father, these and all other blessings we ask, we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, brothers and sisters, Jesus, when he brought in these 12 disciples, he put forth a great work for them to do. He knew that even in his day, the world had problems. And as it is true today, it was true then, that the gospel has always been the wonderful simplifier of life's problems. And so it is that Jesus gave that gospel commission to his disciples, which we find in Matthew 28, where Jesus tells us to go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and that God has called us to do this great and marvelous work worldwide. We have been given an awesome and tremendous task and brothers and sisters the truth of the matter is is that you will remember when Jesus was having a dialogue with Peter and Jesus began to open up before him and make him aware of how he had to go to the cross and so on you'll remember that Peter you know he was always an interesting person Peter was one who always loved to jump up and talk and be the first one to stand in line real bold brother But at the same time, you know the story where Peter made it clear that though all men shall forsake you, he made it clear, I would not. And you know, Peter probably looked at the fact that he had this direct link with the master. He probably looked at the fact that he had this very significant relationship with Jesus where he could get into the secret chambers of his presence so that he can ask all the questions and get all the answers and the list goes on. Peter had many reasons to think of himself more than he should. And you know, brothers and sisters, what's so amazing about that is that this same Peter, who had the close connection, who received tremendous understanding, who had wonderful one-on-one, even, communion with Jesus, at the end of it all, when he had to stand single and alone, all of a sudden, he said, I don't even know Jesus. And, you know, the reason why I find that to be so powerful is because I want you to write this down as we prepare to go into this study. I want you to write down volume five of the Testimonies to the Church, page 707. I believe Peter's problem, just by chance, might be yours and my problem. And in volume five of the Testimonies to the Church, page 707, she says, I have been shown... That many who profess to have a knowledge of present truth know not what they believe. Many individuals who profess to have the link, to have the connection, to have the understanding, to have the knowledge of present truth, they really don't know what they believe. She goes on to say they do not understand the evidences of their faith. In other words, they knew how to talk the Adventist lingo. They knew how to say 1844, 1260, 1798, and the list goes on. They knew how to talk the language, but one day when somebody said, do me a favor, how do you actually substantiate that point? How do you actually help me see from start to finish these things that you believe? There are many individuals who do not understand the very evidences of the faith in which they profess. It goes on to say when the time of trials shall come. It says, there are men now preaching to others who will find upon examining the positions they hold that there are many things for which they can give no satisfactory reason. She says, until thus tested, they knew not their great ignorance. You see, brothers and sisters, we're living in a time where there's a great and tremendous work that needs to be done. And God is looking to you and I to be the instruments in his hands to share his truth with others so that we can be those who impart life rather than death. And the reason why this becomes so important is because it's not just about our own soul salvation, but it's about the salvation of those whom we say hello to every time we go in the bank. It's about the salvation of those who we say hello to when we come by and they put things inside of our mailbox. The UPS man who comes by and drops off the box. The people that we see on a regular basis, their soul salvation is also in jeopardy. And these individuals have problems, and they're looking to people like you and I to be problem solvers. And the gospel is a wonderful simplifier of life's problems. And so it is that you're going to find, brothers and sisters, that God is calling you and I that we have to understand his word like never before. And the goal of understanding the word of God is not to go simply from being an ignorant sinner to an intelligent sinner. That's the last thing. That would be a tragedy, brothers and sisters, for you and I to go from being ignorant and foolish to becoming wise in our own eyes. Understanding the word of God, being able to tie this, that and the other together. But in the end, we're like that man who cried woe to Jerusalem. God wants us to understand that when we understand his word, it is not so that it just stimulates the intellect, but it causes a transformation in the heart, in the life. And I'm so thankful that in this meeting it's being echoed over and over and over again that before we need all the other reforms, we first need heart reform. We need to be changed from the inside out, amen? And so you're going to find that what we're going to do today is we're actually going to go ahead through some of the steps that will prepare us so that we can rightly receive the word of God. So then that way we can faithfully impart it to those within our home, in our communities, and in our churches. And that's why today the focus is on the preparation. And now I want you to turn your Bible to the book of First Peter chapter 3. In First Peter chapter 3, what we're going to do is we're going to start looking at some scriptures that's going to help us as it relates to the preparation. But one of the things I want you to see right here in First Peter 3 is the goal. In order for us to get ready to start the great preparatory work, we need to understand the goal of why in the world am I even preparing? The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3, something wonderful. Peter was giving counsel to the brethren, and as Peter was instructing them, he even got to a point where he discussed sometimes they may go through suffering. But even in the midst of suffering, Peter gives a statement in verse 15 that I believe is very noteworthy. And if you're there, I'm going to ask you to please say amen. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3 and verse 15, it says, Are we there? Yeah. In 1 Peter 3 15, it says, But do what? Sanctify the Lord God where? Amen. In your hearts, and be ready how often? Always, Always to give what? An answer. An, answer. An, answer. An answer to how many people? Every. To every man that asketh you what? Of the, of the hope that is in you, and how should we do it? With what? Meekness, Meekness and? Fear. and fear. Now, brothers and sisters, that text is loaded. Amen. That text is loaded. I mean, seriously, that text is powerful. The scripture tells us that we are to sanctify. Remember, to sanctify means to set something apart for holy use, to put it in in a place for a specific purpose, which is for holy use. It says sanctify the Lord God where? In your heart. heart. What does the heart represent? The The mind. So therefore, God says, I want to be the center of all of your thoughts. And the reason why God wants to be the center of all of our thoughts is because he also understands that as a man thinketh, so is he. If God is the center of our thoughts, then he will become the center of all of that we do and that we say and who we are. And we'll reflect the lovely image of Jesus as we should. So therefore, we're called sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready. How often? Always. Always. You see, brothers and sisters, what that means is that even when your cell phone battery dies, you still got to be ready. You following? Sometimes when we find ourselves in a bind and we find ourselves needing to understand the word, maybe give somebody the word, we go ahead and flip the cell phone and call our favorite pastor or evangelist. We say, hey, listen, can you give me that text that you talked about last week? Hey, can you go ahead and send me a text or an email and help me to understand those verses that you were saying? And because we were not studying to show ourselves approved, we have a tendency sometimes in the human nature to rely on others to explain the word for us. God says even when your battery dies, you still got to be ready always. God shows that even when your computer dies. Now brothers and sisters, I'm not against using computers in presentations. At times I'll use it myself. I'm not against using PowerPoint or anything like that, but brothers and sisters, woe be unto you and I when we rely so heavily on technology that if for some reason the technology dies, we no longer know where to go or how to preach the word god never intended for the advancement of technology to take the place of personal study and the commitment of scripture in the mind that the mind may be fortified god never wanted technology to take the replace of that so in the midst of all these things god says be ready always because sometimes you're not going to necessarily feel like doing a bible study but god may open a door for a bible study to begin And he says, be ready always. Now, depending on what Bible verse you have, you usually have one of two words that come up. It says, be ready always to give an answer, King James, but other versions say, give what? A defense. And the reason why it can be applicable to either word is because, brothers and sisters, there are going to be times that people are going to attack what you believe. And God says, you're going to need to be ready to give a defense. There are going to be other times that people are going to inquire Based on your peculiar lifestyle, they're going to say, why do you do what you do? Why do you dress the way you dress? Why do you eat the way you eat? Why is it that no matter how bad somebody deals with you, you always respond in a certain manner? Why do you do it? God says, be ready always to give an answer. And when we do it, we are to commingle hope and present what we present In the humility of Christ, meekness and fear. Amen? Amen. So therefore, we have a high and holy calling before us because one thing we can guarantee is that every single one of us are going to run into dynamics and several places in life where there's going to be an opportunity either for us to give an answer or a defense. And God's not request, but last I checked when I look in the verse, God's command is be ready always. And the only way you and I can be ready always, that means that there must be a very deep preparatory work. The preparation. And therefore, what we're going to do is we're going to just review some very simple fundamentals. I believe that the word of God is simple. I believe that the principles of heaven are simple. We as human beings are the ones who typically complicate things. And so forgive me if you find that I'd simply present the simplicity of the word of God as we go through this study this morning. I want you to see that number one, if we are going to get ourselves in a place where we're going to now give the word of God to others, then there's a great preparatory work that must be done. And where else would it start by understanding if we're going to get into the word, we've got to understand who our teacher is. Does that make sense? So if we're going to get into the word of God, we have to understand who is the one that's going to teach us. Somebody has to teach us. Clearly, we don't know it, so therefore, we need someone to do what? Teach it to us. So who is our teacher? Go to the book of John, the 14th chapter. In John, the 14th chapter, you're going to find exactly who our teacher is. Fundamentals. Fundamentals of Bible study. The Bible says in John, the 14th chapter, and when you get there, please let me know by saying amen. Amen. In John, the 14th chapter, I want you to see what inspiration says. It says in John 14 and verse 26, and if you're there, please say amen again. It says in John 14, 26, let's read it together. It says, but the who? But the comforter, which is who? The Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall do what? Teach you how many things? All things. Watch this. And do what else? How many things? To what? To your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. First things first, God wants us to understand that if we're going to get into the word of God, we must recognize who our teacher is. And our teacher is none other than the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Now, the teacher, the Holy Spirit, he is the one that's going to open up the scriptures to us and give us understanding so we can rightly know not simply to understand it, but how most importantly to apply it. Is that right? Now, watch this. Go to the book of John 16. Let's understand something else. Understanding that the Holy Spirit's our teacher. Now look at John 16, verse 13. Now watch this. You'll you'll see these wonderful connections in just a moment. In John 16 and verse 13 now, talking again about the Holy Spirit, our teacher, the Bible says something else. It says in John 16 and verse 13, it says, how be it? When he, the spirit of truth, is come, what's he going to do? He will guide guide us into how much? All. All truth, the Bible says. Watch this. And... It says, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Now, brothers and sisters, because of the fact that the Holy Spirit is your teacher, do you know what some people have done? Do you believe the Holy Spirit is your teacher? Yes. You really believe that? Yes. Amen. Now, watch this. Do you know that some people, what they do is they say, well, since the Holy Spirit's my teacher, what in the world do I need human teachers for? There are some people today that go around. They actually have it. There are even movements, segments, different splinter groups that have developed where individuals will say, because the Holy Spirit's my teacher, why do I have to go to you to listen to you? You ever thought about that? (laughs) If the Holy Spirit is my teacher, then why in the world should I listen to any other teacher? Well, there's a reason why. Go to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, we find out exactly why. Remember, 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us how much scripture. All scripture is given by what? inspiration of God right now watch this the same Holy Spirit that inspired the scriptures to be written is the same Holy Spirit who said this in Ephesians 4 the Bible says in Ephesians the fourth chapter you see sometimes people get discouraged in this world sometimes people begin to say well you know what because of the fact that there's so much skewed vision skewed views and different concepts of what constitutes Bible truth I don't want to even listen to human teachers anymore I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit be my teacher now, brothers and sisters, we need to understand that can be dangerous because this is something else the Holy Spirit told us in Ephesians, the fourth chapter in Ephesians, chapter four. Notice what the Bible says. And we're going to go ahead and look at verse 11. The same Holy Spirit who is our teacher is the same Holy Spirit who inspired Paul to make this statement in Ephesians four eleven. And the Bible says, let's read it together. And he gave some what apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors. And what's the last one? teachers. What was the purpose of the teachers? It says in verse 12, for the what? Perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Same Holy Spirit, who is our teacher, is the same one who inspired Paul to say, listen, I'm sending human teachers. And brothers and sisters, you don't have to fear listening to any human teacher as long as the human teacher is subject to the heavenly teacher. That's your balance. We're not saying that you have to just sit down and listen to any and old everything. But when an individual demonstrates the fruit of the Spirit in their lives and they come before the people of God to teach the people of God, we can gladly sit back and we can learn from them because we can see that there's fruit testifying that that teacher is subject to the heavenly teacher. Now, understanding that the Spirit of God is our teacher, brothers and sisters, whether he does it directly or whether he does it Through his human agents. Always remember, Desire of Ages, page 668, says that God will speak even his mysteries to us personally. God can speak to you directly if he so chooses. But there are times that he may also speak through his human agents. Now, we've been praying a lot for the Holy Spirit, right? I've been hearing that a lot, haven't we? Now, brothers and sisters, you got to understand something. We've been praying a lot for the Holy Spirit. Amen? And we're asking him to do What? Come into our hearts. Come into our lives. And is the Holy Spirit the greatest of all of our needs right now? Yes, Yes, he is. Now, I want you to imagine something with me, okay? My brother right here. I'm going to ask my brother to do something. If you don't mind, could you please shake my hand? All right, let's try it one more time. Do you mind shaking my hand? Okay. Now, as you can see, that's a problem, right? I'm asking him for something, but then when he's ready to do it, I'm rejecting him. Are you following? I'm asking him to shake my hand but then every time he reaches out to come to shake my hand, I reject him. Is that right? Now, brothers and sisters, is that right or wrong? Wrong. That's wrong. If I ask the brother to shake my hand, what should I do? Keep my hand out and accept it and say thank you very much, right? All right, now watch this. We are asking for the Holy Spirit of God to come to us that he might teach us, but brothers and sisters, you have to understand the Holy Spirit does not come on your terms or my terms. He comes on his terms. And there are many of us today who are saying, oh, Holy Spirit, come and teach us. But at the same time, when he comes and he comes to do his work, many of us say, thanks, but no thanks. Y'all see what I mean? John 16. You see, in John the 16th chapter, when the Holy Spirit comes, last I checked in the Bible, the Bible tells me that he comes with a very specific mission. Bible says in John the 16th chapter, we're talking about preparation. You really want to understand the word. You really want to be empowered so that you can live out the word of God. Here's what the Bible says in John the 16th chapter. When the Holy Spirit comes, this is exactly how he comes. John 16 and verse 7. The Bible says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It says it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, what will happen? The comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Now watch this. When he comes, last I checked, according to the verses, he comes with a specific mission. The Bible says in verse 8, it says, and when he is come, what's he going to do? He reproves the world of what? Sin and of what? Righteousness and of what else? Judgment. You see, brothers and sisters, sometimes we're asking for the blessing. But again, we have an expectation of how the blessing will come, and we almost indirectly try to force the Holy Spirit to fall in line with our agenda of how we receive the blessing. Let me give you an example. Did a man, was was there a man sick in the Bible who needed healing, and he wanted Jesus to come and heal him? Yes. And Jesus had to come and heal him to the point that the brothers, they opened up the house, dropped the man down in there, and there he is right in front of Jesus. Now, what did the man want? He wanted healing. Did he want healing physically? Yes, he did. Here comes Jesus now seeing this man who clearly needs healing physically. But what's the first thing Jesus addresses? His sins. Is that right? So therefore, he got something he wasn't expecting that was even and greater blessing than what he wanted. You see, brothers and sisters, we have to understand that sometimes we're saying, oh, Lord, please give us your Holy Spirit that we can do this. But when the Holy Spirit comes, the first agenda the Holy Spirit says is first, I need to help you see some sins in your life. You're talking about, Lord, oh, come in my heart so we can go out and preach the gospel to others. And sometimes God is saying, I would send you out, but because of your example, the very same example that was designed to be a witness for me can be a witness against me. I need to deal with some things with you first. So that when we're asking God for the Holy Spirit, that he may come and teach us, we have to be prepared to receive the teaching, whatever it may be. And one thing is guaranteed is when he comes, he's going to help us see the things that is still causing our heavenly father to turn his face from us. And brothers and sisters, correct me if I'm wrong. Does not the end result of every single prayer that we ask is that it might bring us into an experience that we can have face to face communion? So can you imagine if God all of a sudden he comes and he blesses us without measure while we're still in sin? Certainly, God says, no, first I want to deal with the things that's causing the separations, and then we can build it from there. So when we ask for the Holy Spirit, the preparation work is that the mind must be open to receive whatever the Spirit of God reveals to us. Now, you saw that example that I gave to my brother with the shaking of the hand. Sometimes the Holy Spirit can reveal things to us that sometimes we can say, Lord, on every other point, I'm with you. But on that, no, I'm not changing that. On every other point, I'm willing to follow you and do anything you say. But when it comes to this thing, I'm not letting that go. No. And it doesn't matter how much Bible or spirit of prophecy you can show some individuals who even profess present truth. When it begins to hit on one of their idols... All of a sudden, we all of a sudden have deaf ears and blind eyes. The Spirit of God says, I can't teach you like that. you got to let me open up to you the things that's causing a disconnect between me and you. Now, after he helps us to see our sins, the next thing he does is he goes ahead and he reveals Christ, our righteousness. Oh, I'm so thankful. You know, one thing that I studied one time, I was reading a book called Sons and Daughters of God. And you can find this in another book called Patriarchs and Prophets. And what it did is it took the Ten Commandments and magnified them. I mean, it showed you real deep stuff. I mean, you you and I might have thought, oh, I'm not a murderer. I'm not a thief. But then when you see those things magnified, you say, Lord, have mercy. I'm a murderer and a thief. And I remember reading it. And then all of a sudden something happened. When I started to read it and I started to get this thing and really see my sins for what they are, guess what it naturally caused me to cry out and say? What must I do to be saved? And then the Holy Spirit reveals Christ, our righteousness. He comes first to show us our sin, that it might be seen as exceeding sinful. Then he introduces to us Christ, our righteousness. And do you know, brothers and sisters, what's so sweet about that? Let me ask you a question. In the sanctuary, when the incense would go up, what does the incense represent? Are you sure? What does the incense represent? Prayer. Are you sure? Now, you know the reason why I'm asking you sure, because it's more, it, that's my indirect way of saying that's not exactly correct. I'm trying to get, get you to correct it. <laughs> you see, go to the book of Revelation, chapter 8. In Revelation, chapter 8, we find something right here. Revelation, the 8th chapter. It has often been taught that the incense represents our prayers. Well, I think the Bible says something different. I understand why we say it. I understand there are inferences, but when you fully understand it, here's what the Bible says in Revelation chapter 8. In Revelation chapter 8, let's look at what the Bible says in verses 3 and 4. It says in Revelation chapter 8, verses 3 and 4, it says, And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him what? Much incense, watch this, that he should offer it, what's that next word? With the the what? prayers. Prayers. I thought you just said that the incense is the prayer. But the verse says that they're offering the incense with the prayers of the people. So therefore, that incense has to be something else. What was it? The merits of none other than Jesus Christ. Christ's righteousness commingled with the prayer. That's what causes great things to happen at the army Bible camp. It is not simply because of a room that was chosen. It's not simply because of a method that is used. But it is because the room chosen, the method used, all of these things would be absolutely powerless were it not for the merits of Christ's righteousness commingled with every sentence prayer that has been stated. And for a quick reference, you can look at Patriarchs and Prophets 353, where it talks about the merits of Christ's righteousness representing that incense. So therefore, brothers and sisters, and you know what I learned about that? That keeps us humble. I remember a time when I used to have problems in my life, and I would go to somebody and say, man, I got this issue or that issue, and you know what they would say? They would say, man, you need to call sister so-and-so, because when she prays, God listens. (laughs) You ever heard people like that when they say, oh, you need to go to this person, because this person, they really know how to access the throne. You ever heard that? That takes all of those ideologies and concepts and throws it right out the window. There is no human being that can simply put together letters and words and all of a sudden get into heaven. All of our righteousness are as filthy rags, even our wonderful vocabulary in prayer, exempt from the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It would merit us nothing. Now, understanding this, therefore, we now understand that when we are going to get into the word, that we can be used by God to do a great and effective work in our homes, in our communities, in our churches, there's a great preparatory work, and the first thing we need to understand is who's our teacher, and our teacher is who? The Holy Spirit. When he comes, he's going to come on his agenda, not our agenda. His agenda is he's going to convince us of what? Sin? He's going to reveal Christ's righteousness to show us how to live in the time of judgment. Now, understanding this wonderful principle, let's go on. Let's go to the book of Psalms 119. Another dynamic, another principle when it comes to preparation to study the word of God. The Bible says in Psalm 119th division. When you get there, please let me know by saying amen. In Psalm 119 and verse 18 now, we understand something else. Now, this is key. In Psalm 119 and verse 18, here's the Bible showing us very clearly now what it is that we should have as it relates to coming to God that we may understand his word. The Bible says in Psalms 119 and verse 18, it says, open thou what? Mine eyes eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Now, brothers and sisters, when you read 1 Kings 14 verses 7 and 8, do you know the Bible says that David did only that which was right in the eyes of God. Now that text needs some explaining. But that's God's summarization of David's life. It's simple. David died under the blood of Christ. The life of the flesh is in the blood. When the father looked at David, he didn't see David. He saw Jesus. Jesus did only that which was right in his eyes. So therefore, that's why God can say that about David. That's why God can say that about you and I. He doesn't see us. He sees the life of his son covering us. But here goes God saying this about David. Now, here's what's interesting. David said what? What was the very first few words in David's prayer as he's approaching God? He says, do what? Open thou mine eyes. Now, was David ever, is there anything in the Bible that ever records that David was blind? Is there anything in the Bible that talks about he had some debilitating situation where he could not see physically? No, so therefore, if David is saying, open thou mine eyes, what is David by default testifying of his condition? That his eyes are closed and he's not talking about his physical eyes, but his what? Spiritual eyes. So therefore, David, even though he was recognized as a man of God, David was still humble enough before God to recognize his true state. Lord, without you, I'm blind. Lord, without you, I can't see anything. Lord, without you, I can't understand anything. And you know why that's important? Go to the book of Revelation chapter 3. Comparing it with Revelation chapter 3, we find that there is a connection between us and David. The Bible says in Revelation, the third chapter, talking about a group, verse 14, talking about this group, Laodicea, the people of the judgment. And here it is that in Revelation 3 and verse 14, notice what the Bible says here. Remember, fundamentals of preparatory work. Because quite honestly, it's the fundamentals that are so deep. In truth, the fundamentals are deep. Sometimes we're so busy studying the trumpets of God in the book of Revelation, but we're still not listening to the trumpet that's trying to cry aloud and tell us our sins so we can get it right with God. Sometimes we try to get so deep into the word of God, and brothers and sisters, nothing wrong with getting deep. As long as the Holy Spirit is leading us in that depth. But brothers and sisters, we cannot negate the fundamentals. You see, brothers and sisters, in Revelation 3:14, God knew that there was going to be a problem with his people in the last days. The Bible says, and he says, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things saith the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, I know thy works. That thou art neither cold nor hot, I would thou were cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. And then he says, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, poor, and what's that next word? Blind. Blind. So do we see a correlation between David's experience and our experience that we need our eyes open? Every time you get ready to go to the word of God, we need to ask the Lord to please open our eyes. Give us understanding. You heard the principles as it related to the crumbs last night. And here it is, brothers and sisters, that we need to go before God to seek his wisdom. And the reason why is because it's very easy sometimes to just open up the Bible and just start reading to try to proof text our way in or out of a situation. But God has said, no, 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 that's not the method. You can't come to the study of the word with your agenda. We must come following God's agenda. And God says you need to come humble. Lord, open my eyes because I confess I cannot see. Except your spirit gives me the vision to see. Now, the reason why that's so important is because you'll start finding that there are very powerful principles that God begins to relate to us as he begins opening our eyes. Deuteronomy chapter 29. In Deuteronomy the 29th chapter, we begin to go ahead and dig further down to understand fundamentals of preparation for studying the Word. Deuteronomy the 29th chapter. And in Deuteronomy chapter 29, I want you to see what the Bible says in verse 29. The Bible says in verse 29 of Deuteronomy 29, it says, The secret things, the what kind of things? The secret things. Now, what's a secret? Something that hasn't been revealed. Something that has not been made known to us. Is that right? It says the secret things belong unto who? The Lord our God. But it says, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. And you know the reason why this becomes so important? We're in the midst of seeking revival and reformation. Amen? That's what we want. We want revival and reformation. We want to be quickened. Now, brothers and sisters, here's the thing. Every time, name one time in history, in church history, name one time that there was a revival amongst the people of God and fanaticism did not come behind it. Is that right? Fanaticism always seems to find some way, some type of extremism where individuals begin to take things that God said and they begin to skew it and rest it and present it as something that is gospel truth when, quite honestly, there's no foundation for it whatsoever. And the reason why I say this is because, brothers and sisters, there's winds of fanaticism that are going around right now. And God is trying to make the fundamentals clear to us to say, listen, when you study the word of God, you and I must understand the secret things God says, leave it alone. Don't touch it. There are some individuals who are trying to explain how sin got started in heaven. The Bible says that it is called the mystery of what? iniquity. There is no explanation for it that God has allowed us to understand at this present time. There is no explanation for it, but individuals try to say it. There are people right now who are trying to say that we can identify the 144,000. Huh? People going around trying to say that there are things that exist that God says, I've never revealed these things to you. There are some people who go around talking about a 25-20. And even James White in Review and Herald, January 26, 1864, even James White and all the brethren understood why are people trying to go through Leviticus 26 where in the words of James White he said, why are we trying to discover and put a prophecy where none exists? And if Ellen White was a true prophet, which I believe and certainly believe she was, My Bible says in Ephesians 4 that one of the things prophets do is they check winds of doctrine that are false spreading throughout the brethren. Why would the prophet remain silent if somebody took away a prophecy that supposedly was real? You see, brothers and sisters, there are several things that we can look at, and you can pick the topic, but God says, whatever is secret, whatever I have not revealed, leave it alone, Only that which has been revealed is what we should spend our time studying and seeking to understand. Amen. All right, let's go ahead. Psalms 86 in Psalms, the 86 division fundamentals, fundamentals of Bible study. In Psalms, the 86 division, I want you to see something that inspiration says here. I thought that this was very powerful. Psalms 86 in verse 11. In Psalms 86 and verse 11, the Bible says, and if you're there, say amen. Amen. It says, teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. What was the first thing that David asked God to do? Teach me thy way. So that means that when David came to God to receive the teaching, David was not trying to say, Lord, help me prove my point. Was David doing that? Was he coming to God saying, Lord, help me to find all the information that I can gather so that I can prove that my position is right? David said, no, teach me thy way. Whatever your way is, that's what I want to learn. In other words, brothers and sisters, when you're preparing to study the word of God, you are not to come to the study to try to simply prove your points. You are not going to come to the word of God so you can go ahead and say, well, let me go ahead and try to put this together so I can help these groups see how wrong they are and how right I am. You know, in Testimonies to Ministers and Gospel Workers, page 108, it says the spirit in which you come to the investigation of the scriptures will will determine the character of the assistant at your side. Let me, let, me, let me read that again. <laughs> the spirit in which you come to the investigation of the scriptures will determine the character of the assistant at your side. It says, angels from the world of light will be with those who in humility of heart seek for divine guidance. But if the Bible is opened with irreverence, with a feeling of self-sufficiency, if the heart is filled with prejudice, Satan is beside you. And he will set the plain statements of God's word in a perverted light. Testimonies to ministers and gospel workers, page 108. You see, the attitude that you and I take in the preparation of the study of the word of God will determine literally who comes by our side to assist us further on in that study. And if we come with hidden agendas, if we come with the spirit of self-sufficiency, if we even come with prejudice, brothers and sisters. Now, listen, one of the great challenges for us is that a lot of times there are people who come with all sorts of spiritual teachings and doctrines and different thoughts and processes of which they're trying to tell us what the gospel means. And sometimes we will not even sit down and listen to them and just simply study with them so that we can arrive at what the Bible says as truth. God says that when we allow even our prejudices to interfere, if someone is simply trying to show you what's wrong, and how wrong you are and how right they are, they're not coming to study. They're trying to prove an agenda. And individuals like that, you don't have to give your time to them. But there are some individuals who are literally in error, gross, dark error. But at the same time, they're saying, I honestly believe this. And I want to study it with you so that you can let me know if you see light in it, and if you don't, then show me the light that God's given you. God says, those individuals we should sit down with and we should study with them and sometimes we say oh I'm so busy trying to put together I'm talking about ministers now sometimes we say oh I'm so busy putting together messages to meet the needs of the people of God brothers and sisters inspiration says that the easy work of ministry is doing what's being done at this pulpit day by day that's the easy work that's the easy work The easy work is to simply open up a Bible, go ahead and connect some dots, and then present it to the people with a little bit of character. It's easy. She says the difficult work is when you have to come off the pulpit and now minister to the people, sometimes even one by one. With that being said, God wants us to understand that when we go forward in the work of ministry, God says, you, number one, you have to understand high and holy calling. God says, I'm expecting you to be in such a place that you understand my word so that you can give an answer to every man. Number two, God says he comes along and he says to you and I, he says, listen, I want you to understand that when you're going to give my word, you need to understand who your teacher is. Number three, he says, when the teacher comes, he has his agenda. You need to follow along with his agenda. Number five, he then says, you need to understand that you're not going to understand everything. There are certain things that are secret. Deal with the things that have been revealed. Number six, God says, when you come, come with a teachable, humble spirit so that I can teach you my truth and be prepared to teach others. And brothers and sisters, if we begin to do these things, if we begin to follow these principles, you will find that God will be able to open up so much scripture to our minds and to our eyes that we will be phenomenal instruments in his hands to now go forward and understand the purpose of the Bible. And that is where we will stop today and tomorrow we will pick up. Today, we talked about the preparation. Tomorrow, we talk about the purpose. And brothers and sisters, keep in mind, every car... Has to get to 30 before it gets to 60 Is that right? Don't ever Not only take the word for granted Don't ever lose your appreciation For the simple fundamentals Because that's typically Where we usually go over it And by the grace of God As we have these fundamentals In our hearts and in our minds It'll better prepare us For the greater and deeper things That God shall reveal to us with that being said, if it's truly in your heart to say, Lord, I want to make sure that I follow the right preparation work so that I can understand the purpose, receive the method, and fulfill your work. then I'm to invite you to bow your heads as we close. Father in heaven, we are thankful, Lord, for the wonderful blessing to understand once again and to receive the heavenly reminders of the fundamentals of the preparation to study your word. I pray, Lord, that as we continue to go throughout this week, May you truly allow your spirit to teach us and may we yield as he comes to us and let him teach us according to your will and your way. Guide us, dear God, and thank you again for this blessed privilege for we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This message is produced by PTH Ministries. Our mission is to spread the three angels' messages through preaching and teaching the Seventh-day Adventist message and to integrate healing through medical missionary work in declaring the gospel. For more information on our ministry and the resources we provide, please log on to our website at www.pthministries.com That's www.pthministries.com Or you can call us at 770-274-9537. That's 770-274-9537. May we do our part to meet the needs of humanity through the everlasting gospel and hasten Christ's return. Maranatha.